Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. This morning, I'm doing the fifth part of our series called Follow Me. I started this series uh, a few weeks ago uh, uh, to explore the meaning of Jesus' invitation, follow me. He uses it multiple times in different ways, and we're just seeing when he says, follow me, what does that mean? What is the big meaning of, uh, of Jesus' invitation there? So we've kind of been going through that, unpacking what that, what that means. So to us, kind of a working definition of follow me uh, means to be a follower of Jesus, is to make a lifelong commitment to learn and live out his teachings. So it's not just a one-time thing. It's a, a lifetime of service and learning God's word. Uh, uh, ministering to others, and we want to kind of define that pathway uh, uh, just a little bit, uh, and we'll add to that this morning. Uh, over the past several weeks, uh, we've had a, a resource table uh, in the foyer, and uh, it's been amazing. I think we've given out almost 45 Bibles to people that just didn't have a Bible at home. We've given, you know, the, the book, I Am a Christian, we've given out over 32 copies of that. It's just a basic kind of, you know, hey, a discipleship kind of book. So uh, we're hoping, my prayer is that as a congregation, we just re-engage when it comes in to the basic parts of serving Jesus and, and knowing him intimately. Psalms 19 and verse 7, uh, out of the message, it says this. It says, the precepts of the Lord are complete and pull our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. I want to come back to that in just a moment. We have a you know an unusual kind of phenomenon in our country when it comes to people who are interested in antiques or vintage kind of you know uh, furniture, those kind of things. Those are items that are older in age, but they still have value to them. Now, some people don't know how to look at something and, you know, see or appreciate the value in something that's older. We think if it's older, it's of less value, but so they don't really kind of get the, the vintage antique kind of look. Now, that would be me. I have no idea how to assess any kind of value just looking at something that's, you know, that's older. To me, if it's older, it all looks like trash, okay? It all should just be thrown away and buy new. That's the way that I look at that. If you ever see me at an antique store or a yard sale, chances are I've been bad, and as my punishment, Becky's making me go to one of these places, we, we were in Columbus a few months ago. She wanted to go to an antique store. We were just walking. She said, let's go in this antique store. It's a place where people rent out different sections and they put their stuff in there. I'm just walking going, this all needs to be in a dumpster. It's just, it's all terrible. She's not, no, no. I'm looking at the prices. I'm going, are you kidding me? I mean, do people really, really pay this? Because sometimes... There are values in something, things of age, that we don't always see. And there, there, there's a, a, an intrinsic value. So, so for instance, a, a family, they had a family yard sale, and they put a drawing in the yard sale, and they put the value at $10 that someone bought. But actually, it was a, a hand drawing from the German Renaissance, 16th century, and a few years later, they sold it for $30 million, okay? 30 million bucks. I would have used that in my fireplace to start a fire. 
Another family uh, had a piece of furniture, these old nicked pieces of furniture. She took it to her little antique store and sold it for $25, okay? Somebody bought it for 25 bucks, did a little homework on it and found out it was an 18th century, uh, uh, 18th century card table and they sold it for $541,000. Unbelievable. Another family, they had a bowl that they found in the attic, a bowl, you know, just a regular bowl. They never would have, it looks like something you put nachos in, right? They, they put it in their yard sale for $3, never imagining that this was worth over $3 million, this piece of, this piece of china. So what I'm saying to you is that sometimes when there are things that are older, we, we think they have less value, you know. So I want to read you this Again, in Psalms 19, the precepts of the Lord, the foundations, the, the, the principles of God's word that have been around forever, we don't, we don't really see the value in them sometimes. The precepts of the Lord are complete and pull our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain, easy, on the eyes. So we've been looking in the series at certain principles, and I want to say they are vintage, they are antique, they are old in age, but they have great value for our lives if we base our life on them. So I want to back up and I want to go over maybe what we've talked about uh, for the past several weeks. If you're new, just kind of kind of catching you up. Uh, all of this, if you missed a service, is on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, our iTunes podcast. So we started with follow me begins with an initial life-changing encounter with Jesus. And I, and every one of these has all kinds of scriptures and encouraging support under that. Follow me means following Jesus' example of being baptized in water. Follow me with regular times of personal worship, scripture reading, and prayer. Follow me by obeying and trusting God's direction and plan for our lives. Follow me by acknowledging and overcoming evil behavior and striving for actions and attitudes that would be like Christ. This is from last week. Follow me being generous to the church and to the needs of others. Follow me with acts of faith. God wants to use believers in unusual situations to do supernatural and miraculous things. So all of these principles that I've, I've got this week and next week, you know, but these are, these are principles and values that are vintage. They have stood the test of time. If you'll base your life on these things and walk in the areas that Jesus said, follow me, man, there'll be a fruitfulness that will come out of your spiritual life over a period of time. So this morning, my follow, I got a couple of follow me's, and the first one is follow me, honoring and participating in the Sabbath with a local fellowship of believers. Honoring and and participating in the Sabbath with a local fellowship of believers. So <clears throat> Jesus' belief in teaching on the Sabbath in the local church is based in Exodus 20. They're going to put it up here. You could probably quote most of this. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work. Neither you nor your son and daughter. All the teenagers said, praise God. They don't know any other verse in the Bible, but they can quote that one, right? For six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now let's look, and I just want to read some passages really quick about Jesus' connection with the Sabbath in the local church. I'm just going to read just one sentence out of, out of several different passages. Mark chapter 112. Uh, they went to Capernaum 
And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Mark 6, 2. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Luke 13. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. Mark 2. The Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, I just pulled a few of those passages. If you go look up the word Sabbath, you know, and, and do a search on that, you're going to see multiple times that Jesus on, on the Sabbath was in a local, he was in a local church. You can see the connection between Jesus, the Sabbath, and about the local church. So the Sabbath, the holy day that God has given us, is about, you know, first of all, giving reverence to God. He said, remember this day and keep it holy. Set it apart. It's a different day. It's not a regular day of the week. It is a holy day. He said, it's not your day. This is my day that is a gift back to you that I have blessed on your behalf. We even use the term the Lord's Day. We call it the Lord's Day, a day that we gather with believers. So the Sabbath is about giving reverence to God and also worshiping our Savior. So we don't want to just, you know, he said, remember the Sabbath day. We don't want to just remember it. We want to participate in it. We go to church. We keep, keep this day a holy day. It is a, it is a special day that we gather with our, with, our, with our fellow believers in a time of worship. So he gave us the Sabbath. And it is a joyful disruption to our weekly routine. I love Sundays. Now, Sunday's a work day for me, but I still love Sundays. Now, can you imagine if you lived before Exodus 20 and you worked every day? Every day you worked. There was no weekend. There's, there was no break. You worked seven days a week. And most of that was hard labor, agrarian labor. There was no office, office work. It was working hard. Can you imagine the physical and the emotional grind of working seven days a week? Sometimes we get to 3 o'clock on Friday. We're already done, right? We are done. But can you imagine not even having the hope of a weekend, a hope of a break? So when the Lord said to them, I want you to take one day off. No work. Can you imagine what that was received like? Can you imagine the joy? I mean, out of all the commandments that you got, can you imagine that the Sabbath brought more joy to anyone so finally there would be a day off to, for, for rest? So it is a joyful disruption to our routine. Sabbath means to stop, stop the constant cycle of work, stop and pull back from the stress, stop the cycle of mental exhaustion and the constant physical fatigue. The Lord says, stop, take a day off, and it's on me. And not only is it an off day, it's a holy day. This is going to be a day that's different from any other day of the week. It's a supernatural day, and I want to tell you, supernatural things can happen on supernatural days. The Sabbath is for rest, renewal, worship, and prayer. Take the day off and let me renew you. It's a time to spend time with your family and Eat a good meal. All of your cheat days should be on the Sabbath. Calories do not accumulate on God's holy day. It's my theory. No fat people in heaven. The Sabbath day is going to go right in line with that. So eat a good meal. Take a nap. Play, a ga play games with your family. Take a walk. Take a drive. Do something fun that brings joy, that renews, renews you mentally and emotionally. And, and, uh, renews you mentally and emotionally. Listen, the Sabbath is not a sad day of forced compliance. Oh, man. Ah, 
got to go to church. Gotta, can't do anything fun. We're just gonna walk around sad. It's not, it's a fun day. It's a joyous day. And I wanna remind you again just don't remember the Sabbath day, participate in it, fight for it. There is a purpose behind the holy day that God set aside, but that our culture does not appreciate. Okay, It is a special day for God's people, and it ought not be treated like a second Saturday. Now, one amen. That's all right. That's all right. It's not a second Saturday. It's a holy day. It's a day that God set aside, but we, we treat it like a second Saturday. We're, we've got so much jammed into it, and, you know, the, the spiritual part of this is, you know, we, we lose that. But when we no, ignore the Sabbath, we not only miss a day of rest, but we lose a day to open our hearts and souls to God for spiritual replenishment and renewal. If we don't make time for God, we're not making time for other people and relationships and and rest. Participating in the Sabbath makes a statement about my spiritual priorities. Participating in the Sabbath makes a statement about my spiritual priorities. So I want to say if you're new, part of this message I, I mentioned is to those that are 35 years of age and under who maybe not have been Raised in church, you don't have a you know a great deal of spiritual formation. That's fine, you know. But I want to say, I want to say to you, man, make sure that Sunday is a Sabbath day, and it's a day, you know, it's a day, a, a day of spiritual renewal. Because they say that millennials, 30, 35 years in age and under, are are less likely to attend church than any other, you know, any other age demographic. So they don't see the value of the spiritual holy day of the Sabbath and coming to the local church. So I just want to I want to say, man, have that habit that you that you come regularly to the house of God. Participating in the Sabbath makes a statement about my spiritual priorities. I want to say it is families too. We're making a statement to our family about our spiritual our family spiritual priorities. Cuz it's a big deal when the whole family goes somewhere, right? Very rarely, especially when they get older, is the whole family together. So when we're going one place, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big deal. Another part of this message, another audience has been those that have they've been in church for a while. You know, been, been there a while. And I want to I tell you, just want to encourage you to, because church attendance and honoring the Sabbath is a shortcut that I see people that have been in the faith a while, they, they begin to make. They just begin to have this casual approach when it comes to practicing the Sabbath and, and, and attending church. And they go, well, I know, I know a lot. I've been around a lot. So they begin to lower the threshold and, 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 and what it means to uh, go to church and what you know, constitutes a reason you know, not, not to go to church. And I want to I wanna go, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't take that shortcut. I love Luke chapter 2. It, it tells something to us. We see two characters in the Christmas story, uh, Anna and Zacharias. They're both senior adults, but it's the Sabbath and they're in church and they're worshiping. And they both got to see the newborn Messiah revealed at his dedication because they were, you know, it says Anna, she was a widow. She'd been a widow a long time. She's 80, 90 years old, but where's she at? She saw value in, in being in the house of the Lord, and there was a blessing that came to her. So I want to say, if you've been in church a while, it's very easy to start taking shortcuts when it comes to your church attendance. Don't do that. Follow me, honoring and participating in the Sabbath with a local fellowship of believers. Let's talk about the local church. The local church gives us the opportunity to worship God, receive encouragement and inspiration from God's Word, and to fellowship and connect with other believers and give opportunities for others to serve. God wants His people gathering regularly and faithfully and from the very beginning of the Gospels to the end of the writing of the New Testament, you see that the local church was the epicenter of what God was, what God was doing in the world. Be a part of that. 
Be connected with that. The local church is a, is a place where we can celebrate our joys and, and come when we are experiencing our, our darkest moment. It's a, it's a place, you know, where, where, man, we can just kind of be transparent with people that we, that we know well. Why do we need the church? The church is a place where I can worship God and learn God's word with other people. I'm, I'm gathered with I'm, I'm gathered with people that you know, and I, I through small groups and through preaching, I can learn I can learn God's word. I can worship together. There's value to the prayer closet, you know. There's 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 value worshiping God and reading God's word privately. But I'm telling you, there's also a value of coming with God's people and hearing hearing God's word and worshiping with with others. The church is a place where we can be united with people of like faith and practice. I'm going to meet people who are kind of headed down the same track that I am spiritually and also from this deep friendships can come. Some of you have really close relationships with people in this body that you didn't know before you came here. You already had a lot of like values and common beliefs, and then you, you, you get together through the local church, and, and then you meet someone, and they become a close, close friend. The church is a place where I can meet people who can inspire me in my faith. So, you know, there, there are certain role models that you see, people that you go, man, they've really got it together. Man, I need to, you know, I can learn from them. They become a mentor toward you, for you. And you, you, it's hard to find, you know, if you have casual attendance patterns toward the church. I, can, I receive support in prayer in difficult times. How many times has that happened? You've been down, discouraged, you come to church, you feel lifted through the worship, through the message, or someone just comes and says, let me pray for you, and you feel differently uh, when you come. Also, I can give encouragement to others in their difficult time. The church is not just about you receiving. The church is about you having a gift that, off, that offers back to others. So there are times that you can speak into someone's life and give a word of encouragement out of a season of difficulty that, that you've been through. I can also bless and inspire others in their faith. You can be the role model that somebody else looks at and goes, you know what, I need to learn from them. I, they, they need to speak into my life. There's all kinds of reasons for the local church, but I come to this conclusion. I need the church, and the church needs me. I need the church, and the church needs me. Now, there's a great challenge that is happening now with this principle of, of, of Jesus with the Sabbath and connection to the local church because we see declining attendance Everywhere, all across the board, there is declining attendance. We live in a day and age when many people want Jesus, but they do not see the importance of the local church. So you see people attending less and less frequently. So they ask, how often do you attend church services? Some of the responses are weekly. 23% said weekly. Uh, 10% almost weekly. Uh, 12% about once a month, 24% seldom, all right? They ask young millennials, how often are you attending church? Just over half, 18 to 35-year-old Christians, 54% attend at least once a month. Three in 10, 30% attend less frequently. So there's this pattern of decreasing frequency of attendance. Let me just tell you. People will blow off church for any reason now. It doesn't even have to be a good reason. They just, they just blow off. They, they just miss. And I want to say, I want to say, I don't approach this with any sense of legalism at all. If you're sick, if you're on vacation, you're out of town for work, special, go. Go enjoy. Today's, uh, you know, uh, the start of spring break. Okay, People are traveling. Other than my bitterness that they're traveling and I'm here, you know, it's all good. That's what, that's what I'm saying. There's no, legalist, there's no legalist to it. But I say, too, if there is a value in attending church, you know, if there's a spiritual value of, of attending church, then, then we need to be as faithful as possible as we can be in our attendance. Why is church attendance decreasing? Greater affluence and more travel, all right? 
People in America have more money than they've ever had, and it gives them more options on the weekends. They can do all kinds of different things. God has blessed us and favored us, and now it gives us more weekend options. So people are gone. People are gone more frequently because of the affluence that, that God has blessed them with. Also, why is church attendance decreasing? Numerous commitments and less disposable time. Families are very busy. That means they have less time and emotional space for church activities. Sunday used to be the day that we focused on worshiping God, and now it's just an overflow day where families and people catch up on the things they couldn't get to throughout the week. As another moment of not one amen. All right? So it's a, it's a, it's a catch-up day. We're so busy that we don't have any emotional space for Sunday. We are worn out. And we don't have anything emotional or physical when it comes to Sunday. All right? We're so busy and so tired and we're just exhausted throughout the week that the thought, especially if you have young children, of getting them up and fighting the good fight of faith to get them to church. And let me say, that is a fight. All right? That is a fight. But just the thought of, of having to fight that battle and get people to church, you're already, you know, you're already worn out. You, you, just, you can't do it. You don't have anything left because every other part of your life is all connected and you have no, are, are all busy and you have no emotional reserves for Sunday. Changing priorities. Why people, churches decreasing. Church has been removed as one of the top priorities on Sunday. It's just another option now. You know, like people look around and if there's nothing else left, they'll go to church. If there's something else they want to do, they'll go do it. It's changing, changing priorities. But I want to say to you, church attendance many times is a barometer of our spiritual lives. Okay? Not maybe not necessarily, but sometimes it's a barometer on our spiritual lives and our priorities. Because here's the connection. People who attend church less frequently are also more likely uh, or less likely to read their Bibles, pray less, and share their faith less. All right? So sometimes just the, the priority of church attendance reveals some other things about our spiritual lives. Matthew 24 says the last days... Uh, the love of many will grow cold. And a drifting faith sometimes can be hidden in sliding church attendance. A drifting faith can be hidden in sliding church attendance. Okay, so changing priorities. Higher focus on kids' activities. Another reason. Increased weekend activities of sports, school, and community activities. And let me just say, this is increasing more and more. Sunday... Sunday used to be an off day from this kind of stuff. And then it just used to be Sunday morning. You know, they let people, you know, not plan things on Sunday. That's not the case anymore. More and more things are being planned on Sunday morning, okay? This is increasing. And there's going to have to be some point in the life of believing families that you will say no or you'll never be in church. Schools are planning things on Sunday morning, community activities on Sunday morning, sports on Sunday morning, and there's going to have to be a time that you go, you know what, I'm drawing the line here. I'm drawing the line. If we are not careful, we can send unintended messages to our children that the church is just another option on Sunday and participation is optional. It's an unintended message that we can send. Or... That Jesus is just part of our life, but not the center of our life. we got to be very careful. There's so much going on right now, all right? We're raising kids sometimes with a very shallow faith that are not going to be able to withstand pressure when it happens. And I just want to say, I want to just say as the pastor here, as much as you can get your kids on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, they need to be here. 
Every kid needs a children's ministry. Every high school, middle school, they need a student ministry. And they only get an hour or so to try to infuse them with God's power and presence and God's word against the, the tide of culture that swims the opposite way. They need to be in church. They need to be, they need to be in church. Why is online attendance decreasing? Greater online opportunities. Greater online opportunities. I, I was looking at analytics this week. You know, people that when you know that they're they're watching where, where they're watching from and some of their their habits and patterns when they watch remotely. I was surprised at the number of people that watch online services from cruise ships. All right, part of me wanted to go. We're cutting the feed to the cruise ships. <laughs> But then I just decided if there's a Generations Royal Caribbean campus that I need to visit that as the pastor. <laughs> I would do that joyfully, all right? So I want to say, you know, you, there, there are legitimate reasons to be out with no burden. You're sick, you're a shut-in, you're working, you're traveling. I want to say if, if, if you use that live stream, that's why we do it. Be involved, reach out, stay connected to our senior adults. We will always offer this for you who just can't travel, can't travel anymore. But we want to be careful that, that online opportunities don't, uh, don't become an outlet if we just don't want to go to church. All right? We just we, we want to be we want to be careful of that. Watching online is just a valid option for families today. But there's you know, I mean it's it's convenient. You can worship anytime you you want. You don't have to fight with the kids. You're crying babies in the service. It's too loud. It's too cold. It's too hot. I have to walk too far when I park. They did not have the donut that I like in the cafe. You can have your own breakfast while you're, you know, it's, it's private. You know, you don't have to, you can sing off key or you don't have to hear others that are off key. You can watch multiple services and million, multi-million dollar live streams and, and you can watch it at a time that's convenient to you and you can watch the best and the brightest. And then also, then when you walk in the local church, you're like, man, what, what do they got? They ain't got anything going. What's, what's happening? All right. I, I want to say watching church services online can be a blessing, but it should never be a substitute for church, okay? It should never be. Take advantage of it when you're out. Listen, fo follow up, okay? But it, it's never a substitute. It's never a substitute for church. So statistics that I gave you are correct that half the church is only attending once or twice a month. It creates a unique congregational dynamic, okay, that, that churches are having to navigate through. Number one is congregational momentum, okay? When you have a, a, a significant portion of your church that is different from week to week, numerically and spiritually, it's very difficult to get any kind of momentum because of the shifting attendance patterns. It's a challenge in preaching series. I usually have to take the first five or six minutes to recap the series so that people who are new can have some idea of the, the narrative continuity of the, of the series. If these stats are correct, people are just attending once, the, the bulk of people attending once, maybe twice a month, it affects serving in small groups, all right? They don't sign up as much because they're not planning on being here. They don't commit themselves, you know, at, at all. So they don't, you know, what, what happens in the serving area, if that, if that statistic is correct and people, you know, who are, you know, once or twice a month, they don't sign up to serve. What that does with the local church is it shrinks the number of people who are serving and they are serving more often, which is not a good, it's not a good healthy balance. It's also difficult to develop and maintain relationships, okay? Because if you're coming to church once or twice a month, and the bulk of people are coming to once and twice a month, you're seeing different group every time you come to church. Your little area, you know, you always got to sit in your same area. God forbid we swap things around, meet some new people. But you're in your same area, and man, there's new people all the time. 
And then you're gone. When other people come, you're like, Where, who are these people? Who, who are these people? So it's difficult to develop and maintain relationships. So I'm, I just want to say Jesus was connected to the Sabbath and to the local church. I am concerned as the pastor about the cycle of dwindling attendance. Listen to me. Less and less, you know, the, 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 more, you, the more you miss, you know, uh, less frequently, and then, it, then you're just out. I've just seen that pattern. Well, I'm missing here, I'm missing here, I'm missing here, and you're, you're, you're missing is more frequent, and all of a sudden you're, you're out. Listen, I know what I'm talking about here. I'm not a stranger to this. I see, I, see the, the, I see what happens to people here. Let me say this too. It becomes easier to miss church and to justify missing church, and it's harder to get yourself back in church. That is a true, truthful dynamic. So I want to say, if you got to miss, you're sick, you're on vacation, you're out, you do that with no burden. When I'm, when I'm out, I, I don't go to church. I don't even watch the live stream. Isn't that awful? I don't. Would security come remove this man? Because I, I get way too intense. I get way too intense when I'm watching it. So I, I listen to it. I listen to it a little bit. I listen to it a little bit later. If I'm sick, I don't come to church. If I'm traveling, you know, I'm just I'm just saying there's there's no legalism here, but I want to be careful that we're just not blowing off church for any and everything. It needs to mean something. You know, it needs to mean something that we're in in church on a regular basis. So Jesus said, "Follow me, honoring and participating in the Sabbath with the local fellowship of believers." Second part. Follow me. Believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and allowed the continued work of the Spirit in their life. <clears throat> so, Jesus had a lot to say about his life in ministry and the life and ministry of the Holy Spirit that was to come after him. I want you to know and experience the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know him as a person, his characteristics, his attributes. I want you to know and walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I just want to say as the pastor, we welcome the Holy Spirit to this church. He is welcome in our gatherings. He's welcome to move. We, are, we welcome the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our midst. And the role of the Holy Spirit is very important. Even before the very first scripture was ever written, okay, the Holy Spirit was there in the person of the Trinity. Before there was ever anything to read about him, the Holy Spirit was there in the Trinity. God the Father, which was love. God the Son, who was the Savior. God the Holy Spirit, the Helper. The Helper. He sent us something here so that we do not walk alone. Now, Jesus modeled and taught about the Holy Spirit. I just want to make reference to these very quick. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he's talk, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I. Can you imagine what kind of theologically confusing statement that was to the disciples? The one that's coming after me is more powerful than I, all right? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. That moment, the heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and it came upon him, all right? So if there was ever a person that did not need the Holy Spirit, it was Jesus, but we see the Holy Spirit resting, resting upon Jesus. What else did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? John 7, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. 
By this meant he the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to later receive. So he, he, he talks about this experience with the Holy Spirit like he's using water, like a, like a flowing kind of river, a current that's always on the move. And he's given a practical example of what that, that experience with the Holy Spirit would be like. So he, he uses the term a living water, you know, so it's supernatural. He's trying to put this imagery together of a moving, flowing water, but it's supernatural in origin for the mind and the heart, and it, and it flows within your heart. It's not exterior, it's interior. John 20, he appears to the disciples after he uh, is, uh, after he's resurrected. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit upon his disciples. John 16, very truly, I tell you, here's another puzzling statement for the disciples. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go the way, uh, go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him and he's going to be your helper. Wow, you're going to be better off? You're going to be better off with this Holy Spirit? We've been living with you. We've been watching what you're doing. How are we... How are we going to be better off? But that's what Jesus said. You're going to be better off when he comes. I'm going to send Luke 24. You what my father has promised. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. This is after the, the uh, crucifixion and, um, and the resurrection. Okay? Don't, don't go anywhere. Don't go preach. Don't, don't stay in this room. Stay in this city. Because there's something that's going to happen to you that you need. Even though you, you know me and you witness of me, there's something else in your life and your heart that I want to do. I know they probably wanted to go strike while the iron is hot and get out there, but he said, don't, wait. Just wait. Just wait. But that shows you how important this relationship with the Holy Spirit is when it comes to Jesus. So ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. And I talked about this the other week. I'm just going to read it. He helps us to know when our actions are displeasing to God, and he helps us to change, okay? He, know, he, you know, he helps us to change. He, he convicts us. It's that inner voice and that nudge. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. He helps us to understand Scripture. I talked about that a couple, a couple of weeks ago. He's your Bible teacher. Give him a chance when you open it up. He can illuminate things that you read and help give you a spiritual understanding and guidance for what you, what you read. He empowers us to tell others about what Christ has done in our life. So part of the work that the Holy Spirit does is not about you. It's about other people. I'm going to talk about that next week. Okay? He helps us to live supernaturally. He wants to use us in a supernatural way that is beyond our own natural human ability. But if the work assigned to us is supernatural, then we've also got to be able to respond in supernatural ways. He's given us that, that task. So the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to operate in the supernatural. Where when we pray and there are healings and miracles and deliverance, where does that come from? Not from the, you know, the, the will and human effort of our own heart. It comes supernaturally from the Holy Spirit. He asks us to do things for him that we are not qualified for on our our own but he said don't worry about that because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and you're going to be able to do some supernatural things the Holy Spirit supernaturally enables people to serve beyond their abilities okay that's we need the Holy Spirit because there's a supernatural call upon our life and we need supernatural power to walk into that okay worship team you can come <clears throat> the working of the Holy Spirit and our life is continual, okay? It's not a one thing like Acts chapter 2, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Boom, that's just it. There's this continual part. It's a wonderful part of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> where we're continually filled and refilled and renewed. Because life is tough. 
you go through tough seasons. Sometimes you do a lot of ministry, and, and man, you need that refilling. And if you go and read the book of Acts, you can see that Acts 4, it said, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of God boldly. These are people that had already walked through Acts chapter 2, but yet there was a time that they just needed this touch, this fresh touch upon their life. Ephesians 5, don't get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. They had already been filled with the Spirit. So this is a, a sentence of continuity. Continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, It's a work that He wants to do in our life. <clears throat> so this last month or so, it's been really, really busy around here. It's always busy. But it's been really, really busy. We've had this huge kind of organizational restructure. We created a new role for Kelsey and Lexi and Sarah. So we've got, you know, jobs that are changing and morphing. And what Kelsey's doing, there are emerging new ministries that we see. And, man, it's been, I mean, it, is, it has been really, really busy, really since the first of the, the year, just working on this, you know, working on this component. <clears throat> We've had unbelievable, you know, bad luck when it comes to plumbing and HVAC. I know that they think that I don't like them. But when I see them on the property, I... They're costing me missions money. I try to be friendly with them. But they're here all the time. When you know your plumbers by their first name, that's bad news. It's just been constant. Man, just constant. Everything breaking down, the amount of money that we have to spend just to get that, get that back up. We started an office renovation this past week in addition. I mean, it's just been, it's just been kind of, kind of that season. Okay. Just, you know, and I felt it. I just felt it in my heart. Just felt, you know, like if I use the term in your spiritual life, like your spiritual gas tank, would you know what that means? I just felt like I was, you know, quarter of a tank and below just felt a little empty, you know, getting getting close to empty, of course. With my kids, that means just keep driving. Just keep driving. All right? But you know, you know sometimes when the tank is empty. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? And I, I told someone this past week, I mean, I just feel like my spiritual tank is running low. I mean, I just felt that way. <clears throat> And last Sunday, something happened. <clears throat> and I went from low to empty. And I knew it. And it's tough to tell you this, but it happened while I was up here. It's getting to the end of my message. You know how you coast on fumes sometimes? And you just think in the supernatural world, it's just human effort. Come on. Just grind yourself. Get through this. That's kind of where I was at when I started Sunday. I got up here at the end, the last part of my message, and I was just done. I was tired. I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything here. <clears throat> started leading the altar service. You know, I was just empty. I did something up here that I've never done before. I text Brent. <clears throat> I said, hey, just take it. Whatever you got. I, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any direction. I was just tired. Just nothing. Okay? Just what whatever. Whatever whatever you want to do. People were praying. I was just I was just empty. Just empty. I come back to the office this week, know that I'm gonna finish this series, and I kept feeling this nudge to do this part about the Holy Spirit from the Lord, but I didn't want to do it. I wanted to do it next week because here's something that you need to know about me as a pastor. I really like, like it better when I'm preaching to your weaknesses, okay? It makes me happier. My nap is better on Sunday. 
when I'm talking to you about your weaknesses. All right? <clears throat> you know, but I, I really felt like this was supposed to be preached today about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And in a few minutes, I'm going to open the altars to people who want to, who just feel like they need a touch from the Lord. Okay? But there's not going to be anyone in here that's probably more needy than that, than me. All right. There are just times that you got to pull back up and go, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. So if you're weary, you're tired, you're worn out, you're exhausted, you're weak, you're empty, you're broken, you're, you're trying harder than you've ever tried before, you're like a sailboat with no wind, you're like working a field but there's no rain, if you're fatigued, stressed, then I want to say this morning, we're going to believe for the refilling touch of the Holy Spirit this morning. We're going to ask God to refill this congregation and touch, touch this church body from those that are worn out and stressed and you're just feel ragged on the inside. Those of you that your tank has been empty for a long time and there hasn't been any fullness, that's part of what the Holy Spirit does is that refilling. Would you stand? So I want you to come this morning to this front. If you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're exhausted, if you're weary, if you don't feel like you can take another step, if you don't have any spiritual internal strength, people are depending upon you, but you feel like you're crumbling yourself spiritually, if you are broken, if you are stressed, if you are weary and worn out, I want you to come this morning. I want you to come this morning across the building. We're going to pray. We're going to have a moment with the Holy Spirit this morning, re-empowering, re-infusing people. I want you to come find a place today. Find a place today. If you need God's presence, you need a fresh touch of God's power in your life, I want you to come. If you feel empty, you feel empty, you've been giving out, and if you need a moment of replenishment this morning, I want you to come. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning, I want you to come. He's going to come meet with us this morning. Come on, take another moment. Do you want to come? Just come find a place this morning. People are going to come pray with you this morning. If you're worn out, if you're weary, if you're tired, let Him replenish us this morning. Holy Spirit, meet with us this morning. Holy Spirit, meet with us this morning. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.